0: Welcome to the newest edition to the Compliance Podcast Network, Survive and Thrive, a podcast co-hosted by Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist, and Courtney Nordrum, Regulatory Counsel and Chief Compliance Officer at Deluxe. This season on Survive and Thrive, we're talking about compliance disasters which befell companies because they weren't looking at the right clues, had their collective heads in the sand, or did not expect the unexpected. You want to know how to prepare for and avoid disasters from the compliance perspective? This podcast series is the podcast series for you. Survive and thrive. The compliance world is littered with enforcement actions against companies for the most basic of compliance failures, those around gifts, travel, and entertainment. Many compliance professionals struggle with issues around gifts, travel, and entertainment. Violations can come out of anything from discrepancies between inbound and outbound reporting to simply relying too heavily on the manual process of maintaining spreadsheets. In this episode of Survive and Thrive, the podcast where we unpack compliance crises and disasters and walk you through red flags, which appear and give you lessons learned going forward.
1: Hi, I'm Courtney Nordrome. And on this season of Survive and Thrive, we're talking about compliance disasters, the unpleasant situations companies found themselves in because they weren't looking at the right clues or they didn't know what to look for at all. They had their collective heads in the sand or they hadn't yet figured out how to expect the unexpected. Today's episode, like Tom said, is all about gifts, travel, and entertainment. We're gonna talk about expense review and not only how to be in compliance, but to operate more efficiently.
0: Courtney, uh, this is not Friday afternoon at four. Uh, you don't, you have not received a call from your CEO, but you have been thinking about uh, return to work, and return specifically return to the office, and perhaps return to uh, more robust travel for your salesmen, uh, literally across the globe, as Deluxe is an international company. Uh, and yeah. you've seen the Delta variant percolating in the southern parts of the United States where people are too stupid to get vaccinated or wear masks, but it hadn't reached Minnesota yet. So you're still mulling this over and you recognize there can be a change of risks simply from the return to work uh, ethos, just as there was in work from home ethos. And one of those risks could be around gifts, travel, or entertainment. So I thought uh, we could really explore how would you think through and and this may really give you an inflection point as a compliance officer to think about how can I reintroduce a topic which may seem to be the most basic. People have been turning in expense reports since time immemorial, uh, perhaps fudging on those expense reports, and perhaps using those expense reports to either directly violate your internal policies around uh, gifts, uh, expensive gifts to foreign government officials or employees of state-owned enterprises, or to perhaps even generate a pot of money uh, to pay a larger bribe. So um, I thought maybe we could explore how you would think through really reintroducing something that all of us might think are the basics of corporate life and the basics of a corporate compliance program. But maybe you could start off with a few words of, of why is a robust gifts, travel, and entertainment program uh, so basic or such a, an important framework Uh, of your compliance program.
1: Yeah, so one of the interesting things to me about um, gifts, travel, and entertainment programs is how much they vary. So GTE touches so many other pieces of a compliance program. Your conflicts of interest, anti-corruption, anti-fraud, government contracting, corporate giving sometimes. Um, If you're in healthcare, there's marketing rules that uh, that apply to you as well. And so it touches uh it's like horizontal across the verticals of your compliance program but it's also an opportunity to really really tailor policies and controls to your organization I say that because each company is different and has different rules in place for gifts travel and entertainment and when you're looking at gifts travel and entertainment from a enterprise perspective, you have to take a look at your company and your sales force and what you do and what you offer. The different regulated markets have treated gifts, travel and entertainment very differently. And depending on with whom you do business, it may affect how you're going to handle uh, GTE internally from a policy perspective. So if, for example, all of your customers are state government, Well, then your GTE policy is gonna be pretty simple um, because not really able to give gifts or entertainment. You can give promotional items and that's about it. And so it's really going to vary across the spectrum from uh, uh, Tom and I were just talking before the podcast, hunting trips sometimes (laughs) or hunting trips to, only promotional products or maybe a lunch at Chipotle. And so this is one area where Googling someone else's gift travel and entertainment policy is really going to be a disservice because if, if nothing else, you have to tailor your policy for your organization.
0: Courtney, before we go into some specifics, uh, I want to perhaps step back and ask you something I've been thinking about, which is could, You consider or would it be fair to consider um, people following a gifts, travel, and entertainment policy as almost foundational to the values of the company? And uh, I would use myself as an example. Early on in my professional career, uh, it was widely thought that everyone cheated on their expense accounts. And by the time my corporate career uh, nearly ended, I felt like no one cheated Because everything, uh, by that time, this was uh, 07, 08, everything had really moved to complete card use. Uh, The mileage was set if you used your own car. Uh, There was still a a miscellaneous amount you could uh, turn in um, without a receipt, but that was $25. Yet, people who did that on a routine basis, uh, if not a one-raised eyebrow, there were some serious questions asked of them, why every day when you were gone did you have a miscellaneous expense of $25? Um, so I felt like, uh, at least the expense reports I reviewed, that people were, were really had fallen into line and were not doing the rampant cheating that I saw early in my career. But if, if that example is valid, is that really a way to just drive home the message that, hey, we do business ethically here? and in compliance not only with U.S. laws or international standards, but on our only are also our internal company policy, uh, do you find that to be a fair assessment, or, or is GTE really something different in your mind?
1: No, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, and I think it's an accurate reflection of the culture generally, whether you have a GTE program that's followed and enforced, and whether you have the controls on the back end to support what your policy says. So, if culturally everyone knows that there's a program, no one reads it, you know, fudge your numbers, no receipts on your expense reports, then as a, a, an organization, you've allowed the culture to create the lack of accountability in the expense reporting side. And you're going to just encourage that culture to continue as long as you don't have the controls in place. If as an organization, on the other hand, however, you have talked about your policy, you have put controls in place to review and check invoices and you're training on what's important and telling your people, Hey, this is how we do business here, then that's going to permeate throughout the entire organization. And, and I agree with you. I think that in the last let's say 20 years, the tide has really shifted to accountability and gives travel and entertainment in, in a good way. Um, but it's always interesting to me that sometimes things can, can get, I don't want to say go too far, but 20 years ago, it was very few receipts required. Everybody padded their expense accounts. And now we're trying to make sure people understand that they have to properly account for bribes. So if, if if you're stuck on a plane and have to pay a bribe to get off a plane on a work trip, now it's like, okay, so yeah, you, you have to pay it for safety reasons, but now we need to account for it and we need to call it a bribe on our books and accurately reflect what's going on. And so it is um, really, I think, kind of come full circle as far as both the accountability and the accounting of what's happening with, with GTE across organizations and I think across the world.
0: One of the other things that I've always been intrigued by GTE uh, is uh, the following. I use it as an example uh, to explain to senior executives who do not have a compliance program, formal compliance program in place that they're actually doing 95 to 98% of their compliance program already. And I use Uh, reimbursable gifts, travel, and entertainment expenses as my primary example. I say, do you have a uh, reimbursement program for travel expenses for your sales team? Well, answer yes. Uh, What do they have to provide? Well, they have to have a receipt. I said, okay, do they have to fill out a form that says their name, where they went, what the uh, business purpose was, and who they saw? And the answer is, well, they should be doing that. Obviously, that brings up one issue. But say they're doing that. Um, I said, now, uh, here's what you have to add to have a compliant FCPA gifts, travel, and entertainment program title of person you talk to. And they go, well, we ought to be doing that anyway. I'm like, yeah, you should. And when I say that around accounting people, they're like, yeah. But the business executives go, that's it? I said, yeah. And they sign that form and they send it in and their supervisor reviews it. Then it goes to accounts payable and they review it. Go so, oh, well, we can do that. And so I really, it, for me, it's a very powerful example of an internal control that already exists for a separate reason, and that, of course, is for tax reporting purposes, uh, because business expenses mm-hmm. can be deductible if properly documented, yet it's a fundamental internal control for um, uh, compliance as well. the um, the uh, Now I'd like to maybe move to uh, – a little more detail or perhaps uh, away from the tactical, excuse me, away from the strategic and into the tactical. So how do you uh, communicate to your sales team who may be traveling internationally? Uh, one, document everything. And as you said, if you're asked to pay a bribe when you get off a plane, or uh, and it may be a proper facilitation expense properly documented, all the way to uh, remember we have a gift limit. It doesn't mean you can't go over it. It just means you have to have pre-approval if you're going to have a big dinner or want to give a big gift how do, how do you communicate that really in an ongoing way or in our example where it's really maybe the first time in 18 months is this an opportunity for for you to reintroduce those concepts to your international sales team
1: yeah and and it it's something that we try to do regularly even without the complications of the pandemic and the complications of, of what we've gone through with international travel. And I think upcoming the upcoming holiday season, which it, it's we're getting into the fall now, and it's crazy to think that the holidays are coming up, but I think that that's a really good time to take the opportunity to talk about gifts, travel, and expense um, because it's a time when there are a lot of gifts flowing in, in every direction travel, uh, the, the travel world is, is heating up usually in the fall. It's when professional associations of all kinds have their big conferences, everybody's flying everywhere. Um, and so I think it's a natural point to talk about gifts, travel and entertainment to your workforce. We also have in, in our organization, a sales kind of kickoff in the spring and then, you know, booster sales meetings throughout the year. So I, I think with everything, and you've heard me say a million times, it's, it's about training and communicating to your workforce, what the expect, expectations are. Um, GTE, like you mentioned, it, is really foundational, but it's also one of the easy things to explain, but harder things to understand. I think in an organization, so compliance fundamentals, like don't lie, cheat, steal, or harass anybody, the end, like it's pretty simple of, of what we're trying to do with compliance programs. But when you get into building a policy and training on that policy, that's where there's going to be a lot of judgment. And so you have to teach your workforce, a what's acceptable and what's not acceptable and B where to turn. If, if, if they need an exception or have a question, we uh, recommend building in as many examples into your policy as possible. Call out specific things that are allowed and not allowed. Like you can't buy anyone a Ferrari, duh, but you can give people a steak dinner or, you know, you can't buy someone a pet tiger or a house in the Hamptons, but you can certainly pay for a hotel night to come to the corporate sponsored golf tournament or whatever examples those are. So if you can call out specific examples, it makes things much more concrete and gives people an idea of what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. I also think that it's really, really important to call out cash and cash equivalents. And this is a part of of the GTE policy that I found that kind of breaks people's brains. And I'm not sure why, um, but it is, I think every organization I've worked with, worked for, or, or spoken to has marketing people that want to give away gift cards for some purpose or want to offer some kind of, you know, gift card to customers who do X, Y, and Z. Guess what? We can't do that. Buy them an iPod instead. Um, And and so the the cash and cash equivalents piece, I think, is really important. And I think it's important to talk about why it's important as well. So, hey, guys, we can't give cash. And everybody seems to understand that. They go, okay, cash, not a problem. It would be weird to give people stacks of money. um, Unless, of course, you're talking about your FCPA enforcement, where they're like duffel bags of cash (laughs) going back and forth. But cash equivalents, I think, are are, are stickier. They're, they're a little bit more complicated because most people think, oh, I've, I mean, right here, I've got a target gift card on my desk. And and that has value and is a cash equivalent, but it doesn't feel like something that's a bribe. And so, at least for me and in, in my organization, it's something that we've had to <laughs> train on and, and talk about that gift cards aren't allowed. We can't buy them, we can't accept them. And it's because they could be easily used for bribery purposes. They're not trackable. And so that that's something that um we really have to reinforce and take every opportunity to talk about. And and with everything we want to talk about training the heck out of the policy from both sides. And and both sides to me means the side that has to follow the policy, which is everyone, but generally the sales team is more impacted by the GTE policies and the finance team. So we want our sales team to be following the policy, getting their receipts, only doing what they're allowed to do, not buying any Ferraris or Tigers for anyone. But we also wanna train our finance team on what to look for when the invoices come in and what to look for in receipts and walking through the expectations and red flags when they're doing those reviews. Uh, A lot of small charges, cash transactions outside of kind of normal gratuities, shady vendors, round numbers are always a red flag. I don't remember the last time I had a legitimate expense that ended in zero, zero or or 50 cents. Um, Not having receipts, Payments to, to individual people, expenses paid on behalf of government officials, you know, unexpected fees, the pays is different than the person, than the organization on the contract. All of these red flags are things that you're going to want to walk through with your finance team and the people reviewing the receipts. Um, you're going to want to make sure that the managers approving the receipts understand what red flags are as well. And, and I'll pop in to say this is a fantastic opportunity for checklists and and just-in-time training. Um, Give the folks who are in charge of reviewing receipts, in charge of reviewing expenses, in charge of approving expenses, a one-pager that says, here's the things to look for. And do they have to physically fill it out every time they review an expense or a receipt? Absolutely not, because nobody has the time or energy for that kind of paperwork. But mentally, they're gonna go through the list and, and, and check off to make sure that this is a legitimate looking expense and that the receipts are proper and we're capturing all of the information we need. And so I think GTE, more than most other programs, has the opportunity to build into the review process uh, uh, the just-in-time training and checklists that could be the most helpful.
0: Courtney, I'd like to end with a hypothetical, and when I get to the end, you'll understand why it's a hypothetical. But uh, football games and taking customers to football games. I think everyone knows that uh, the Minnesota Vikings are playing Minneapolis. And uh, do you allow – there we go, Skull Brother. Uh, (laughs) Do you allow um, employees to take customers – to football games? Do you allow employees to provide tickets uh, to customers? How do you think through that process, both in terms of the dollar cost and then the potential uh, uh, the business relationship going forward, as opposed to uh, there was recently a, a Super Bowl in Minneapolis and why this is a truly a hypothetical, pretend like the Vikings were in the Super Bowl. And uh, how would you think through <laughs> A request for tickets to a Super Bowl where the hometown heroes, the Minnesota Vikings, were actually would uh, are playing in the Super Bowl, and that of course would never happen. So uh, it, that was what makes it a hypothetical. But how how do you think through uh, sporting events because those are traditionally have been one mechanism of uh, taking customers or clients out uh, in. a, a for social entertainment, social interaction, and frankly, to develop better relationships, how how do you help a, a BD representative think through the difference in those two very hypothetical situations?
1: <laughs> we were so close that year; we were so we could taste it. Um, so, I, I think that's a really really good question. Uh, luckily, Vikings tickets tend to be pretty cheap because we haven't been all that great. Uh, in Recent years, um, unless we're pay- when we play the Packers, that's a different story. But I-, I think it comes down to a question of reasonableness and trying to tune into what is a reasonable uh, amount for for gifts, travel, and entertainment, and and what is just unreasonable or um, kind of luxurious or over the top. So I, I think it's pretty common for organizations to invite their, their customers and potential customers to sporting events. And I think that that is pretty well accepted as an okay thing to do. Um, hypoth- hypothetically, <laughs> if, if that were a Vikings game, I, w- I would say that we're probably fine. I do wanna make sure, however, though, that there are representatives from our company at the game. So if we're using the game as a time to build relationships and build goodwill with our customers, then we want the opportunity to actually talk to our customers at the game. Giving tickets away to a customer and their spouse, or you know, giving a, a package of tickets away to me feels different and, and is different functionally than using the opportunity to build the relationship at the game. And so that's a distinction that that we make in our policy is if you're going to do a sporting event, if you're going to do an event of some sort, if you want to attend as a guest of another organization, there has to be a representative from that organization on site with you. And the same is for our side. If you want to provide, you know, a suite or invite someone to the suite at the Vikings game, or even up in the nosebleed sections, someone from Deluxe has to be there. So you can take advantage of the opportunity and actually talk about work. Uh, The Super Bowl, however, that's where things get a little sticky. And when I was in town, I know that I had several friends who were struggling with the fact that everybody wanted Super Bowl tickets and everybody wanted to use the opportunity to build relationships problem being super bowl tickets are exorbitantly expensive. Even if your team isn't playing, um, if, if the Vikings were playing, it would have been like mortgage your house expensive probably in Minnesota. And so that's where I think the reasonable test comes in is. So a couple hundred dollars for a ticket, make sure someone from the organization is there to actually take advantage of the business opportunity and, and discuss working together versus nine to twelve thousand dollars for a super bowl seat, well that's probably <laughs> harder to justify as a reasonable expense. Not only is it harder to justify as a reasonable expense, meaning that's just a lot of money coming out of your, your GTE budget, but I think it's more difficult to show how that is for relationship building instead of influencing. And so the reasonable test, kind of the reasonable man's standard, woman standard, person standard um, applies. But again, I think it's also going to depend on, on the type of organization and, and what your rules are internally. I'm sure there are organizations that regularly offer twelve, twenty $20,000 gifts and entertainment opportunities to to their customers, uh, I I don't know that for sure, but I would bet my paycheck that those exist. And so, is that a, a legitimate opportunity that represents a business opportunity for that business? It might be. So it it it's it's that's why I said it's hard <laughs> um, because it's easy to understand or easy to 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 get in concept but harder to understand because it is such a gray area. Um, and, and so when you are talking about GTE and, and when you're talking about your policy, it's really, really, really important to make sure that you tell everyone in your workforce who they can go to with questions. Even if it's just bouncing off, is this okay? Can I accept this? Can I give this? Uh, who has to approve this? That's the key piece I think in, in the GTE and E is give them a resource to come to when they have questions because people are going to have questions. Um, It's not set in stone. So make sure that there is a way to reach out to make sure they can get the right answer.
0: Courtney, that sounds like a great way for us to end uh, this episode. So you want to take us home?
1: Sure. Join us again for our next episode and our final episode of Survive and Thrive. I'm Courtney Nordrum.
0: And I'm Tom Fox. Thanks for joining us. Have you ever wanted to start a podcast? Do you have an idea which you think would be helpful to the compliance community? Do you have a great story to tell? If any of these are true, why don't you start a podcast and put it on the Compliance Podcast Network? I have partnered with One Stone Creative to create a end-to-end solution for you to tell your story on the Compliance Podcast Network. If you have questions, please email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and more importantly, I hope you will tell your story with your podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network.